We're in a faith series called Faith, You've Got to Have It. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. How many appreciate the two messages Pastor Brad's brought us the last two Sundays? Have they not been like crazy life-changing? And, and we've just come out of 21 days, ended yesterday with a grand finale, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Every morning here at 6 o'clock, we've been here with an average of 30 to 40 people every morning. It's been here at 6 o'clock praying. And then yesterday was our grand finale, and this place was full, packed yesterday. We had more people at prayer yesterday than we had in the whole church two years years ago. Amen. And, uh, and so God's just doing amazing things. How many knows when you pray, God's going to do something? Amen. And so we're expecting amazing fall as we get ready for what God is doing. So we're in this series called Faith. You've got to have it. Go to James chapter 5. And today I want to preach number 4, sermon number 4 in this series. And I want to talk to you today on faith works. How many's glad faith works? Yeah. Amen. If he said without faith it's impossible to please God, it's kind of good to know that faith works as we're trying to use it to please him. So what is faith? The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for with the evidence of things not yet seen. What is your faith? Your faith is your hope list. Do you know that? We're trying to find faith as some mystical thing out there. No, my faith is what I'm hoping for right now. If you're hoping for healing, you're hoping for a miracle, you're hoping your faith is the substance of whatever you're asking and believing God for. And so as we understand that, I want to go into James chapter 5. And the book of James is a powerful book to the church, and there's seven major topics that's discussed in the book of James. This is the final one. It's the most controversial one. It's been caused to become controversy, though it's not. And let's deal with it today. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them Pray. You're going to hear pray in this scripture so much because how many knows nothing happens without prayer? Okay? And so if anyone's among you in trouble, let them pray. How many's found out that when you don't have a prayer lifestyle, when you're in trouble, sinners pray when they're in trouble. You know what I mean? I, I do, you know, I've been in jail ministry all my life. I hadn't met a prisoner yet that didn't pray. <laughs> they don't want to serve God. They just want out. All right? Okay? <laughs> Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Any happy folks in the house? Just Okay, that's cool. Let them sing songs of praise. And the Hebrew word for praise there interacts prayer with it. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church to pray for them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And you may be near in church and go, what's up with that anointing thing? And, and do your, does your church do that? And we get asked that often. And I go, yes, we do. We do obey the scripture and we pray the prayer of faith and we anoint with oil. Every time we, at the end of service, we have prayer teams up here and they have a little bottle of oil with them. They don't just do that automatically because it may be someone that doesn't understand it and you just freaked them out. All right, like what's all this stuff going on, okay? And so, but if you would like to be anointed with oil, you requested and they will anoint you with oil and they will pray for you. But what does it mean? Let me just do a quick two-minute teaching. There's no power in the oil. It's symbolic. Just like water baptism is a symbolic act of what's already happened that I'm already saved, but now I'm testifying of what's already happened inside of me. The oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And really the whole message behind being anointed with oil is to get your attention off the person praying for you and get it on the Holy Spirit that's going to perform the Word of God in your body and in your life. And so there's no power in the oil. It's symbolic of the Holy Spirit that's about to do something very awesome in your life while you're praying and agreeing with someone. Amen? So a little teaching there, all right? Let's go on. 
And the prayer offered in faith, prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Will. I like that word will. How about you? It will, not maybe might, sometimes, it will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, James goes totally now in another different direction with this thing, really messes people up. And if they've sinned, they will be forgiven. And so I want to look at this today, all right? Because you see this topic of miracles and healing and faith has been taken to two extremes, one extreme says that healing's not of today, that it went away when the apostles were no longer here and that healing's not of today, it doesn't exist today, that you just get sick and die and you're just wasting your time, you're a bunch of religious nuts out there believing for this thing to happen. And, and then the other stream comes over here and they're in the name it, claim it, you know, grab, blab it, grab it. And, you know, she came on a Honda and see my bow tie and you think all the tongues you can speak is going to make God do something, you know, and they wave flags and they spit and holler and, 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 you know, and all this stuff and going, if you can say it, you can have it. And a lot of faith teachers, and many of them are out there today, and they're good in many ways, but they've abused the church in this teaching that says that if you're sick, then something's wrong with you. And if you're praying and God's not answering, then you've got a faith issue. Or there's sin in your life. And they didn't tell you that when they told the church they were taking a leave of absence, they were in the hospital having surgery. And they were because I know their staff. And the very thing that they told you was sin in your life, if you went through, they did. And we've got to realize today that that teaching that says if you're sick, then there's sin in your life. Or if you're praying and nothing's happening, you don't have enough faith puts condemnation on us because it puts the responsibility of our miracle on us, not the word of God and his ability to perform it. And, and both are extremes. And I want to bring it today. I want to pastor you today. I want to help you today to understand some things dealing with this topic called faith, all right? And so we're going to go quick because, you see, we, we've got to come, even with my grandson, we got a lot of guests here today. I've got a brother. My sister-in-law's here. Her family's here. He's in the final stage of a brain disease that killed my dad years ago. Now my brother's only a year older than me. He's right over there in Milton, Florida, or now in Pensacola, Florida, excuse me, at a nursing home. Hospice is getting ready to come in. Brain disease has been a final disease. I pray for my brother, man, as hard as I know how to pray. Uh, my little grandson, Jabin, he's back there. He's two years old. He's, in a, uh, he's just diagnosed with a terminal brain disease, given a very short time to live. I mean, don't, don't sit out there and go, you don't know what I'm going through, Pastor. Oh, you just don't know. Right. And then I've got my son, Tommy, who was healed four years ago of a massive injury in a, in a motorcycle accident and given zero chance to live for 24 days and, and life support and, and for two and a half months and God raised him up and gave him his life back. And, and so I, where, where's it at, God? Why, why do you heal one and we don't see your hand in the other? I mean, anybody, anybody but me in that boat? I mean, you know, you pray the same prayer to the same God with the same faith, and you watch him move a mountain over here. And now on this side, I'm not seeing anything, God. What's up? And these are questions. But there's one thing I want to make clear today. I still believe God heals. 
I, I still believe that God works amazing miracles. I still believe that there's nothing impossible for the God that I'm preaching about to do. I don't believe it ended with the apostles. I believe he said in the last days there's going to be an outpouring of my spirit and your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Your old men are going to dream dreams. Your young men are going to see visions. There's going to be an outpouring of my spirit upon the church that's going to demonstrate my power with signs and wonders to follow. I still believe he's the healer today. He's the miracle worker today. Yes, he is. But then the question has to come up, and I want to deal with some theology today. If God still heals, then if we're given the promises of his scripture, why are we not seeing every person healed that we're praying for because he said he healed all? And that he would heal all. And so why are we not seeing the same miracle in every need that we're praying over? And I've got a three-letter, three-word answer for you. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this. My son taught me this two weeks ago, that God is both God is both sovereign and God is good. And he holds it in this palm of his hand. And the God that I'm preaching about today is not so weak that he has to go behind Satan with a broom and a dustpan cleaning up messes that he had no control to change. And so I want to really move into this quickly today because you see, I don't understand. But what I do know is God is always doing the right thing. For when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit is making intercession on our behalf for the will of God to take place in my life and I know that God is good and he'll hold back no good thing from me and from you and he delights in blessing his children and so then I have to come and realize then what's going on what's going on and, and stay with me we live in a temporal mindset here on earth we live in a very now mindset while God he's sitting in heaven operating on a heavenly mindset that doesn't deal with now it deals with eternity and oftentimes God answers what we're praying for right now but the evidence is not seen until heaven. Stay with me for a second. And I think this is why God sometimes lets us watch the people we love suffer for just a little while so that we're ready to let them go to God's ultimate purpose and plan in heaven. And, and, and stay with me now for a second because you see, you will spend the vast majority of your existence in heaven, not on earth. The Bible says that this season down here is but a breath. It's just a moment. And we're not going to spend eternity here. We're just here for a short moment. And God's plan is bigger than ours. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. And, and God has a plan for mine and your life. And, and why certain things happen, I don't understand. Believe me, I've been on my back porch when my grandson was diagnosed with terminal. Man, for three months, I wrestled with God. I fought with God. I cried. I slobbered. I was angry. I was fussing. I'm out three in the morning throwing a fist up to heaven going, I don't understand this and I don't get you. We poured our life, my family's poured our life into ministry for 35 years, and this is what we get back? Really? I have to watch my brother die right now? Really? I'm just glad you got a God. You can just unload on and come back to later and go, okay. Come on, you ruined me? And so I'm preaching because in these 21 days, as a pastor of a church and a spiritual covering of a family that's going through crisis, I said, I need some answers. Because saying I don't know is not enough. I need some biblical, theological answers to the issues that my church is facing today. And I'm going to bring you some. 
and they're where I'm at. And so I want to talk to you today on this topic. Why do some get healed now? Why not? Why, why do we see God move and then we don't see him move? And so we've got to first understand that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are much greater and higher than ours. And we must learn to have a comfort level. And here's what I want you to understand. We must learn to have a comfort level in what we do not understand if we're going to walk a faith walk. That I must become comfortable that God's ways are higher than mine and God's ways are deeper than mine and that God is sovereign and God is good and whatever's working out is going to work out for the good for God's kingdom and for my family and for your family. Though I don't understand what I'm seeing, God is working it out for the best and for the good. And though I don't understand it, I must become comfortable with it, learn to become comfortable. Matter of fact, I'm more comfortable with what I don't understand than what I do. Because when you're walking a faith walk, when you understand it, you want to manipulate it. When I understand how it works, I'm going to make it work whether God's in this or not. It's like golf. Anybody ever played golf? Your best day is the day you played when you didn't know anything. And then when they tell you how to hold everything and stand and swing and all this stuff, it goes haywire because now you figured it out. And that's the way faith is. When you start figuring it out, don't go read books on how to have faith. Read the Bible. I read so many books on faith and didn't didn't even know what I had any longer. You know what I'm saying? And, And you can read a few, but don't make another man's opinion on faith be your direction on it. Find out what God's Word says about it. And so you've got to come and realize that you're not going to understand it all, and neither am I. And there's three observations that I want to talk about in this text in James chapter 5. Let's go very quick because I really want to get to the end of this message. The first thing I want to show you in James 5 is that God provides healing for today. God is still our miracle worker today. And the word healing in James 5, in the beginning, the Greek word healing is about physical healing for sickness and infirmity. But when he comes back at the end and says, as if a man has sin in his heart, he will be forgiven. And the word used there is the Greek word that is a different Greek word for healing, which means to heal both the spirit, soul, and body. That God's ultimate desire is not just to bring a miracle in your physical body, but God wants to bring a miracle in your entire person. Come on, let's give him thanks for that today, amen. And and John 11, 4 says, God glorifies himself, how? By healing us. He glorifies himself by healing us. Many have asked us, because we refer to Tommy, and you're going to see a really neat video next week. We've updated it on Tommy. But Kathy and I, we have two children of our own, and then we have two Vietnamese children that we brought into our family. Now, 15 years ago, their mother and little brother and little sister were murdered, and, and they were Buddhist, and they had no place to stay. And Cindy was 15, and Tommy was 12 then, and we brought them into our home. It was supposed to be 30 days, and they never would leave. Amen. We've, we've had them the whole time. And they're our kids today. They serve God, and Cindy was, Cindy was up here leading worship, and her husband was on the keyboard, and, and Tommy, our son, was in a horrible motorcycle accident four years ago. His brain was sheared. He, 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 had, uh, he died three times on the scene. The right side of his face had phase four crushing. There was no eye socket, no cheekbone. The roof of his mouth split in half. Arteries were ripped out of his heart. His leg was severed at the knee. They gave him zero chance to live for 24 days. As a matter of fact, we got some pictures of him somewhere. There he is. 
He bled 32 units of blood from his brain. They had to clog his nose and his ears to keep him from bleeding to death. There's some more. You can go through them pretty quick. That was two days after the accident. The right side of his face is totally crushed. He laid like that for two and a half months, didn't move an arm, not a finger. They told us at Christmas that happened the day before Thanksgiving. They told us the week of Christmas we were going to have to turn him off and let him go. But God had given us a word that he shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. And we stood on that word, and we kept speaking that word. It wasn't great faith, but it was desperation. I can tell you right now, it wasn't like we were heroes of faith. We were desperate, and we trusted God, and we believed God. And, and on that 24th day, that's him now. Matter of fact, he's right there in the pink shirt. Yeah. And, and by the way, he's single, owns his own place, and has money. So <laughs> ladies, have at it. All right. But he's a cheap steak, and you better like McDonald's and Burger King. That's all I can say. <laughs> That's why he's still single, all right? <clears throat> he's got the looks. He just hadn't learned to spend some money on her thing. All right. But, uh, but Tommy, what a miracle. He's been to Peru. He's been on the 24th day. They told us we had to turn him off and let him go. And you'll see the story next week, and I don't have time to go in today. The doctor went in and pinched Tommy on the chest, and Tommy reached up and grabbed his hand which means the brain identified pain and responded to it. They ran out to my, we literally lived in the hospital. We had sleeping bags and food and everything. We did not leave other than to shower. And he come out and said, we don't know what happened, but he just responded to pain. That means the brain's not dead. Well, we've been telling you that, all right? And, uh, and so uh, he, he come out and he goes, but, but, he, he's going to be a vegetable. Even if he lives, he's going to be a vegetable. And uh, three days later, he was out of intensive care. Seven days later, he was eating food. And today he's with us four years later, and he's a walking miracle. Amen? What happened? People prayed in faith, and God answered. And then we have another one that our family went through not too long ago, and that's when my daughter-in-law, Ashley, that's her mom, Norma. Norma's a woman of faith, powerful woman of faith, and, and uh, she was diagnosed with cancer and, and given up to die. And her faith, man, what a woman of faith. She just worship ministered at another church and on the worship team. And her faith added six years to her life. And, and she was healthy and strong. And Brad Nashley was now having a baby. And, and their dream, she was going to keep Jabin during the day because she watched their dogs already. And, uh, and so Jabin was just going to be child number three, you know what I mean? And, uh, and so she was going to watch Jabin. And the, everything was set and planned. And, and just weeks before Jabin was born, we received a call here on a Sunday morning that they asked Ashley to rush home and that night she died that'll mess your theology up right there because you just healed her she's in total remission and in one day she's gone where, where, where does God fit in that and then my brother this is him last week he's down under 130 pound hospice is ready to take over from a genetic brain disease in my family that was him, and he's over here. He's lost so much weight, and he's lost the ability to communicate. And, and now my little buddy, my family, and my, my little, there's my little Javen, man. You know, and God gave me a dream months ago that I'm going to coach him in baseball. And I was, I was, I was standing outside the fence. I, I played baseball for 14 years. I was a catcher, played two years what's called big league ball traveling for the state of Florida. I love to catch, man. And, and I, my plan, already, he's already got his glove, his ball, his clear. I got everything for that kid. He's already got a four-wheeler, a 308 hunting rifle, camo, boots. I done got him all. I'm ready, all right? 
Here's what I want to tell you. I've prayed for him and my brother just as hard as I did for Tommy. To the exact same God with the same faith, but I've seen different results right now. And I've got to find out where does that fit in my theology. So let's go very quickly, all right? How do you trust a God when you see one healed miraculously and you don't see it happen in the others you're praying for? In 2 Timothy, God gave me this scripture in the 21 days of prayer, and I want to give this to you, and I hope it will help you like it's helped me because I said, God, I need an answer. I need an answer to my sister-in-law. I need an answer to my nephew and his wife. I need an answer to my family on what's going on. And I fasted for, for these 21 days for this answer. And this is a scripture that God gave me. The Lord will rescue me from every attack. Every attack. He will rescue me from every attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So the question was, which one is it? Is, is God going to rescue me or am I going to heaven? And the answer is yes. Both, because both are equal miracles. Both are equal miracles. You see, both of them are wins. Christians, we live in a win-win situation. We celebrate Tommy's miracle here on earth, and we celebrate Norma's miracle. Both equally, Tommy's happened on earth, hers happened in heaven. But they're both equal miracles. Listen, heaven's not a bad place to go. And if that's where God has your miracle, receive it. Both are wins. They are God's promises to his children. Heaven is not a bad place to be. Some act like choosing to take someone to heaven is a punishment. When in reality, it's the ultimate blessing. You see, faith isn't telling God what to do. Faith is trusting God in whatever he chooses to do. And number two, God's ultimate concern is not for your body, it's for your soul. Matter of fact, Jesus is not in your notes, but Jesus said, don't fear he that can destroy your body, but fear he that can destroy both body and soul. And God's ultimate concern today is mine and your soul. He said, and if they have sin, they shall be forgiven. He brings that in because God's more concerned about your spirit and your soul, man, than he is your body. But remember, we live in this temporal world. And we're way more concerned about our body than we are our spirit and soul. We put way more energy, money, finances, and time in this body to make sure it's fit. And you need to do that. Make sure everything's pretty. Need to do that because we like it pretty better than the other one, all right? And, uh, and you know, we, we take all this time dieting, fasting, all this stuff about our body. We spend an hour in the gym every day for our body. But how much time did we spend every day with our spirit and soul? We watch what we eat so we live longer physically, but what have we watched what we eat to take care of our spirit, our soul? And God's more concerned about your spirit, man. Jesus said that he would, that we would prosper even as our soul prospers. Psalmist said in Psalm 62, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Isn't it amazing? We have health insurance, but we don't care about soul insurance. That was good right there. <laughs> I don't even know where that come from. I didn't say that in the first service. I'm going to take ownership of that one. All right? And so God wants you to be healthy soul-wise. He wants you to be healthy. And number three, God desires for my faith to grow. 
God still heals and does miracles today. God's more concerned about your spirit and your soul than he is your body. But God desires for your faith to grow today. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, And without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And right here, James begins to take us now into a story about a prophet named Elijah. And he tells us a story about this prophet and about this, this deal with a king called Ahab. And if you know the Bible at all, the prophet Elijah was a man, great man of God. God used him to perform eight mighty miracles recorded in the scripture. And, and one day he's been challenged by this evil king named Ahab. And Ahab's going, my God's real, yours isn't. Elijah's going, nah, you got it backwards, man. Mine's real. And so they come to agreement, okay, we're going to offer a sacrifice. And we're going to pray fire down from heaven or fire down from our God. And whichever God answers by fire, we'll worship him as God. And they both said, okay, that's cool. And so Ahab, he gets over here. And Elijah, you know, he's the Christian guy. So he goes, all right, you go first, all right? And so Ahab, he starts praying to his God to send fire down to burn his sacrifice. Nothing happens. And so Elijah's having some fun with this. How many's glad? How many knows it's really fun in this battle of Christianity versus the world to know that you're already on the winning side? I mean, you know, it just adds comfort when you're tested and kind of challenged out there. Like, is my God real or your God's real? I got this because I know mine's real, all right? And so Elijah's like, ha, you know, maybe your God's kind of deaf. He can't hear you. Maybe you need to scream a little louder, you know, so he can hear you. And so they start screaming louder, and he still don't answer. Well, maybe you need to do something else. So they start cutting themselves and everything and no fire. And so then Elijah pops in. He goes, all right, my turn. But you know what? Let's just really add some challenge to this, guy. So go get some water and dig some ditches. And so they dug a ditch around the sacrifice he had offered, and they filled it up with water and poured water on the sacrifice. And then Elijah goes, okay, God, do your thing. Boosh. Consumed with fire. All right, we won. And so out of that story, I mean, like Pastor Chris says, why do drugs when you can do the Bible? All right? There's some exciting stuff in the Bible, okay? Uh, you ought to read it. There's some really interesting stories in there, okay? It'll get you high, and you don't even have to come down through withdrawals when you get off, all right? Okay? And so God wants your faith to grow, and so here's what happens. Right after that, we see another story with Elijah and with Ahab, and, and it's found in James 5, 17 and 18. And it says, Elijah was a human being, and God puts that there because he wants you to realize that we want to make idols out of these prophets, and God wants us to know they were just like you and me. They were human beings just like us. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced crops. And so here God speaks to Elijah and he speaks to him, and he gives him a word, and he says, when I tell you it's going to rain, and when I tell you it's not, it's not. And you're going to be my prophet. You're going to prophesy what's going to happen. And so Elijah, he lets Ahab know that God spoke to me. He gave me a word. He gave me that Tommy word that I shall not die but live and declare. I got a word from God. I know I've got a word, and God's going to speak specific through me when and when it's not going to rain. And we get this mindset in that going, well, that, Elijah had nothing to do with it. You know, that's pretty easy. I mean, he just says it's going to rain, it rains. He says it quits, it quits. And then it's going to rain, and it's going to quit. It's going to rain, going to quit. No struggle. Didn't happen that way. And I want to take you on a progressive journey that Elijah had to go through in operating in his faith 
that you and I are going to have to go through to operate in ours. And so let's go very quickly as time is flying by. Number one, I want to show you faith begins with the word from God or the word of God. God's going to give you a word from his word that's going to speak to your heart. That's why you must read your Bible every day. And he's going to give you a word. Faith begins with a word from God. And when that word hits you, that's what happened the night with Tommy when we're sitting in there and I'm looking at my son dead. They said he's dead, 100% dead. The only machines keeping him breathing. And a word came to my heart sitting in that office that said he shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. It wasn't some supernatural or it wasn't some mystical feeling. I knew God had spoke a word to my heart and my son was gonna live. And that's why we were so adamant with the doctors like you ain't turning him off because God told us we're taking him home. And faith begins with a word from God. Every miracle of God begins with a promise from God's word. Your family, your health, your business, your finances, your marriage, God has a word for you. He'll speak it into your heart. and You can grab hold of that word and let faith begin to arise in your heart and in your spirit. And watch this. The Bible says in Romans 10, so faith comes from hearing and hearing what? The word of God. 1 Kings 17.1, here's the story. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Elijah received a direct word from God at that moment. And I just want to say this to you today. Every promise that God has given to us through his word, they will all come to pass. Well, pastor, I just don't agree with that. How can you even say that when you're praying for your brother and grandson and they're not healed yet? Pastor, I don't get that because I prayed for my uncle and he already died. God didn't keep his promise to me and my family. You see, you've got to come and understand that one day you're going to stand before God just like me, like Ashley over her mom. And we're going to stand before God one day and we're going to get there and we're going to already down here, we're going, man, when I get to heaven, I got some questions. Come on, anybody? Yeah, me and God are going to have like a two-hour convo, man. We're going to do some talking when we get to heaven because I need some explanation. Now, you're going to get to heaven and all of a sudden you're going to stand before God and go, you were right. You were right. I, I, yeah, I see now. Oh, if they had still lived, that, that's what they would have went through. No, you loved them too much to let them go. Yeah, you were right, God. You, you had it down the whole time. You, you were watching over my family when I didn't even think you were watching. God, you are so awesome. Just forget all my questions, God. You, it's all right. That's exactly how it's going to go down. I'm just telling you. And here's what he said. He said, so is my word. Isaiah says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. God said, my word will not return empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for what I have sent it. Here's what I want you to see. The second thing is faith remains when you hold steadfast to God's word. It begins with a word from God, but then you got to hold steadfast to it. You got to hold on to that word when you don't see anything. You got to hold on to that promise when nothing's moving. When your children are still acting like devils. 
you got to keep praying, man, because God's bringing your children back home. You hear what I'm saying? When you don't see a doctor's report changing, you keep on holding on for that miracle because that's your hope. That's your faith. When that, see, you don't see that rage coming, you keep praying because Jehovah Jireh is still coming down your street. I say you got to hold on to that faith of what God has spoken into your heart. you got to be steadfast to God's word. Wherever you are in your faith journey today, hold steadfast to the promises of God and what he's given you in his word. Because here's Elijah. He now prays for rain. Remember, he's prayed and it happened. He prayed and it happened. He said it and it happened. He said it's going to quit and it quit. And now he's praying and nothing's happening. In front of King Ahab, in front of his servants, the great prophet, you know, there's a human too we read. He's praying now and it ain't working. It's in 1 Kings chapter 8, 8, 1 Kings 18 in your notes. Go, here's Elijah, he's telling this prophet, he's praying now for rain and he says, go toward the sea. He told his servant and he went up and looked and there's nothing there, his servant said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, I see a cloud small as a man's hand. It's rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch your chariot, boy, and go down to Jezreel before the rain stops you. Here's what he did. In those days, the prophets would pray, and they, they had a cloak, like a robe that they would wear, and a, a belt that went around it. And they would bow toward the earth, and they would pray. And here's Elijah, and he's praying. God's told him it's going to rain. And he's praying for rain. And he tells his servant, he says, go and look and, and see if any rain's coming. And he's praying. And the servant comes and says, no, I don't see anything. And the prophet says, go back and look again. And he comes back, I don't see anything. Well, well go back. And look again. Seven times he tells him, you got to go back and look again. And on the seventh time, the servant come back and said, I don't see much. All I see is a little cloud about the size of a hand of a man rising up from the sea. And the prophet said, that's my miracle. That's my sign that the rain is coming. And can I say this to you today? Come on, give him a hand. Amen. Can I say to you today, some of you, you're in that time. You're bowed low, man. You're weighted down. I've been there until God's given me this release with my brother and my grandson. My faith hasn't changed. My prayer hasn't changed. But my understanding of God and his action in it's changed. And I'm not throwing fists up at him now. I'm just thanking him that he's both sovereign and he's both good. And he'll hold back no good thing for me or my family. And I'll accept whatever route he takes as the plan of God over my household and over this church uh, but you're in a time right now and you're going and, and we've said quit looking for the symptoms and start looking for a sign yes. quit looking for the rain and just start looking for a cloud the prophet said go back and can I tell you some of you, you've prayed and you haven't seen your answer yet. Go back and look again. And if it doesn't come today, go back and look again. And if you don't see it tomorrow, go back and look again. You keep praying, you keep believing, and you keep going back and looking because God's got a miracle for you. And on that seventh time, he come back and he said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Elijah, Elijah said, that's it. And he goes in the next verse, verse 43 through 44, he says, go and tell Ahab, you better hitch up your chariot, man, and get down to Jezreel before the rain, because when that rain starts, it's going to come big time, and you ain't getting that chariot through it, bro. You better go now. You see, all Elijah had to go on was a cloud the size 
of a man's hand. We're not talking about did you see a cloud. We're prophesying rain. He didn't have rain to go on, but he had a cloud. And when you see your sign, you need to grab it. When you get that sign, you need to run with it. This was me and Jabin just a couple weeks ago. I watched him on Wednesday night so Brad and Ashley can go to life groups and all. And I just sit in the living room with him and play worship music. And we have church and prayer. And this was me and Jabin a couple weeks ago. He's responding to me. Yeah, I love you too. I know, I love you too, buddy. Yeah, well, I'm a baby. Papa loves his children. Yeah. Now, he ain't supposed to do that. That was my cloud. And I, my dreams to coach him in baseball. And I sat there in that chair, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, play ball with him. And I'm going to tell you, for 30 minutes, me and him played seven innings of baseball together. We did. I went through every inning. I told him, I said, man, you rap, you just ripped that ball, man. You left center field, Jamie. What a hit, man. Double, bro. Papa's so proud of you. I was behind the fence screaming for you, man. You did it, Jamie. And, and I was the catcher 14 years. I done got his stuff, you know. And so I was like, I was correcting him. I'm like, Jamie, man, you got, you know, you got a runner on first base. You can't balance your weight. You got to put the weight on the right hip, man. You got to put more weight on your right leg. You were too balanced. You can't come up and shoot a ball down to second when your weight's on your left leg. It's got to be. I'm correct. I took him through a whole seven-inning baseball game. Why? Because I had a sign. He's talking to me. And you gotta, you got to grab your sign and run with it. There must be a persistency in our faith. Go back and look again. Galatians 6, 9, Let us not become weary in well-doing, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Come on, let's give God praise for His promise. And last of all, and I, I close, and I've got to really cover this one. Faith starts small, but it ends big. And there's some really truth here, and I want to give these to you very quickly. It started with nothing but a small cloud the size of a man's hand, but notice what happened in 1 Kings 18, 45 and 46. This was after the prophet told his servant, go tell Ahab to get his chariot going. Go tell Ahab he better get going down to Jezreel before the rain stops him. After he made a proclamation of his miracle, the Bible said, Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. And, And we don't know if that was in minutes or if it was in hours or was it a day or two later. We, we don't know the time frame. We just, knew, we just know the cloud grew. Can I tell you, your miracle may come in a minute. It may come in an hour. It may come days later. It may come months down the road. But if you've got the clouds, you've got the rain coming. If you've got the sign, you hold on to it. And Ahab, the Bible said, got his chariot out. He's headed down to Jezreel. And remember, all Ahab asked was for rain. Just something little, just some rain. But God, whenever he shows up, he always shows up with something bigger than what you asked for. Because all of a sudden, Ahab's just 
booking it down to Jezreel with two horses. They always had two horses on a chariot in case one that got injured or killed. The, the guy could still fight and be in the battle. He's got two horses going full speed. He's on that chariot, and all of a sudden, he looks over to the side, and this dude's passing him running down the street on foot. Because when God gave Elijah the miracle, he also gave him the anointing to run it out. And all of a sudden, the anointing got upon Elijah. The Bible said he took that robe, that cloak, and tucked it in the belt and took off running. And he outran two horses and a chariot. Can you imagine? Here's Ahab just getting, and all of a sudden, this dude comes just dusting by. going. And here's Elijah. Gotcha, man. Gotcha, gotcha. I gotcha, bro. I gotcha. He outruns him to Jezreel. You can't do that in the natural. Not only did he get the rain, he got the sign of God's anointing and power flowing through his life in a supernatural way. And can I tell you today, here's the fact on this, and I, I got to share this with you because it's very important that you see it. You see, this is why prayer is so important on these Saturdays that we're going to start next Saturday. We're going to continue prayer every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. We're going to have worship. It's not going to be haphazard. It's going to be as organized as our Sunday morning service. And God told me to call this church to prayer every Saturday morning for one hour from 9 to 10. And do you think this is full now? God just spoke to me last night. And I'm just telling you, and I hadn't even said this to my staff, and I wasn't going to say it. The first service didn't hear that, but God already talked to me that we've got to start planning for our fourth service that we got to start planning for our fourth service, preparing for that. If you don't prepare for it, it don't happen. But if you prepare for it, the crowd's coming. Start preparing for that fourth service. So we're getting ready for four because your family's going to get saved. Your neighbors and your coworkers are fixing to come to Jesus. And we've got to come and realize that, that just, just minutes or days or weeks ago, Elijah was standing face down, crying out to God in desperation for rain. Now he's out running a chariot. Look how quick God changes things. And here's what I want you to see, and this is so important, so important. Here's the question we all ask. Why? Why, why does God put us through this? Why, why didn't God just let it rain? Why seven times of go back, go back, go back? Anybody ask that besides me? Why are you making my family walk this out? Why don't you just heal my grandson and let the world see your power again? Why don't you just heal my brother and let the medical world go, oh, there's no explanation. Why don't you just do that, God? I know you can. Why don't you? Because the seven times of bowing and seeking the face of God was more important to God than the miracle. That time we have with God in desperation gets us closer to him than the miracle does. I'm doing some good teaching right now. Some of you need to get it. Because the very thing that we're fussing to God about is what means the most to him. That time, I can tell you, I'm closer to God right now than I've ever been in my life. And it isn't because of a revival. It's because of a need. It's because of a crisis. God's more interested in you knowing Him than He is in you getting your miracle. Because once you meet Him, you'll get your cloud. You'll get your answer. Because here's the final outcome, and I, I'm closing. I want to give you a notice. Because the journey is the focus, not the need. See, our focus is always on the need. God's focus is on the journey to the need being met. God's more interested in your journey than He is in meeting your need. 
points. Is this helping any of you? God's got your answer, but he's more interested in what's going on in the journey. He wants you to know him and understand his working in your life. Then he'll give you your answer. And here's the most important of all. It's found in James 5, 19 and 20. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wonder from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sin. What means the most to God? Write it on that last line. It's called eternal life. That everything you and I face in life today, when my son went through what he did, Tommy, just weeks, weeks before Tommy's accident, he sent me a text that was like long, long, long text saying, Pastor, I feel like God's calling me into the ministry. And as my father and my pastor, I want to know, will you start mentoring me for ministry, not knowing that I was going to stand by his bed for over 12 months and be a spiritual father and mentor. And today he ministers to more people through his injury than most pastors do from a pulpit. The journey is his ministry. Because eternal life is more important than anything else in the world. And God wants you to start looking in your crisis, in my brother's situation, in my, my grandson's situation. Where is ministry in this? Where and how do I use this as a means to impact other people's lives with the hope of Jesus? How do I use this? God can be glorified in it. And I want to tell you, there's a way in every situation. God's got a plan. God's got you in the palm of his hand. God's got this in control. God's got this in control today. God's got it. He's got you today. And I just want to tell you, have faith. Have faith. And what you don't understand, have faith. Because God is both good and sovereign in your life. Can we give him praise for the word today? Thank you, Father, for your word. Bow your heads with me right now, if you don't mind, and all across this building. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm here today, and I'm hearing you, man, and I've been going through some stuff. And I've been full of questions, but today God's word, the simplicity of his word is helping me with some understanding. And I just want you to pray today for me and my family that God will give us the grace and the faith to walk this out and watch our miracle happen. If that's you right now, I'm not going to point you out. Would you just slip a hand up right now if this word's for you today? You say, this is my word today. I'm grabbing it. I'm, I'm getting it. This is my word in Jesus' name. You can put your hand down. We're going to pray for you in just a moment. How many here right now would say, Pastor Dan, I'm, I'm not a Christian right now. I, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior right now. I know about God, but I have to admit to myself today, things have happened in my life. I've been distracted spiritually, and I'm away from God. And today, I want to come home. I want God to have my life. I want to give him everything today. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you. I just want to pray for you today. If that's you right now, would you just slip a hand up? God bless you. Wow, hands are going up all over the building. Hands are going, I need God in my life today, Pastor. I, I, I want to give him everything. I want to have faith in him to take my life and do something amazing in me and through me. You can put your hand down. If you raise your hand for salvation, would you pray this prayer with me? And we're going to join you. But will you just say it to yourself a little out loud where you are? Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead, I can be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. 
In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you prayed that and you mean that with all of your heart, you're as saved as I'm saved right now in Jesus' name. And as a church, we want to help you. And we have a Sunday night grow track. At every Sunday night, Pastor Brad will talk about that in just a moment. We're here to help you. Please, on your Connect card, if you accepted Jesus today, there's a box that says, I committed my life to Christ today, or I committed, recommitted. Would you check that, and it lets us know, and that way we'll know how to pray for you and make sure we get the right material in your hand to help you in your walk with God. Join me as we pray for those that raise their hand that this word was for them, and, and they're looking for their miracle and their breakthrough. Father, we pray over the body today. We pray over those God that are struggling today we pray God for those that are in that battle of the mind God the understanding of your will and your purpose in a time of crisis and Father I just pray today that you'll give us understanding of your word and of your love and of your grace and that God will grasp that truth and know that you love us more than anything God and you'll hold back no good thing from us and that God you've got breakthroughs and miracles in our life and we're not going to question your actions Lord we're going to trust your actions today and know that you're doing what's best for us in Jesus name amen amen come on let's just give him praise as the ushers come